This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. She's a marine biologist turned counselor. It's my friend Melanie. And here's Miranda. She makes the best charcuterie boards. So Miranda, what have you been up to today? Well, today has been really fun because, as you know, Bradley and Fisher are out of town. So I am kind of relishing in my solitude. And I decided today that I was going to go to clothes, which is like a little it's like a store where you can take stuff. Have you been there before? Um, I it wasn't that same one, but a place you're saying like a place where you can sell your things. Yeah, like a Play-Doh's closet kind of thing. But they're really picky with what they take. You know, they only want to take like, you know, recognized brands and stuff that's in really good shape. But you can go there and get like gently used clothing that's like name brand. And it's like a lot nicer, right? Okay, well, I really want you to tell me about your experience. And then I'll tell you what happened to me the the one time that I went there. Okay, so you've been to one too. Okay, so first of all, I've shopped at this store before, and I've gotten a lot of work stuff there because they have so many great brands to choose from, and it's like just the right amount to look through too. You know, I do a lot of thrifting, but I hate going into a thrift store where it's just like so overwhelming and there's like a million garments and it's not organized. You know, they do a really good job moving their inventory around and keeping it kind of fresh and funky when you go in. So I had known that you can like take your stuff in, but I had never done that before. So today I was like, you know what? I have a pair of shoes that I never, ever wear. I've worn them one time and I just didn't really like the way that they looked on my feet. Um, yeah. And I'm going I'm to take them in and, you know, see what I can get, like in store credit and then go shopping on that because I didn't want to spend like a ton of money, but I'm like, whatever they give me in store credit, you know, I'll just like recycle back into this. Okay. So you had like a free mini shopping trip in mind. Sort of. Like, yeah. I'm going to sell these and then I'm going to yeah. get something. Yeah. And like these shoes are like really, really nice name brand shoes because you know, I have old lady feet. I have plantar fasciitis. I know. Yeah. So I'm like, these are my shoes that are good for that. Like they're super supportive, but they're also really cute and they just didn't look right on my feet. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just take them in, 
they were expensive, okay? Because when you're yeah. getting shoes that have like this level of arch support, you know, you're looking at like right. 150 bucks for a pair of shoes. So it's mm-hmm. not like these were like, you know, cheapos from Target. They're nice, but they're like brand new. I've never worn them. So I'm thinking I'll probably get, you know, a little bit of money here, you know, maybe like 25 bucks or something out of the deal. I mean, store I would have been hoping for like 50 if they were that expensive, but yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So anyway, I take them in and she's like, well, have you ever sold with us before? And I'm like, no. And she's like, okay, well, I have some paperwork for you to fill out. And I'm like, paperwork? Like, like we're talking about like one I pair of shoes. Want you to give me forty bucks for my shoes? Like one uh, right pair here. Of shoes. <laughs> she proceeds to hand me, I kid you not, like twelve pages stapled together front and back. And I'm like, okay, this feels like a big commitment already. This feels like one of those pet adoption situations. Yeah, this is even harder than adopting a pet, okay? Because I watched Lilo and Stitch, and it was two dollars for that license fee okay and it was across the counter uh, no and no they took him out let me tell you right now that has gotten more complicated you go into these pet adoption places and they want you to complete an application and then they either approve or deny you for the what? homeless pet oh that's my overpopulated oh my gosh they're putting wow. all these things out on Facebook. We have too many cats. We have too many cats. We have too many dogs. They're free. <laughs> but, but you also... have to apply and we judge you. <laughs> and we're going to judge you. Well, and I kind of like felt the judgment coming off of this girl. But it was also, you know, she's telling me that I only have to do this one time to set up a selling account. And once I've done that, I'm okay. good. Okay. Right. So I'm like, so okay. it's like an investment in your future. Yeah. I'm like, I won't have to do this every time. This is like my paperwork to set up a selling account or whatever. So I'm filling out the stack of paper. I'm initialing. I'm checking that I've read the terms and conditions, which I absolutely did not read. I'm like signing. I'm like dating. I'm putting in my address. I'm putting in my phone number. I'm putting in my emergency contact information. I'm putting in my blood type. I'm putting in my <laughs> 20. Three and me family history results. Like this was the most thorough application to sell a pair of shoes I have ever dealt with in my entire life. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. I'm going to get this done. So then I have to fill out all this information about the shoes. You know, what brand are they? Why did I not like them? What was wrong with them? How were they treated while they were in my care? Like this whole thing about the shoes that I'm selling. Like how you treated your shoes? It was crazy. Like, oh my gosh. Like, did you wear them outdoors? Did you wear them indoors? Were you primarily walking? Were you primarily sitting? They're shoes. So yeah, I wore them all those places. Oh my gosh. It's not like I was traipsing through the mud like in these shoes. It was crazy, Mel. So anyway, fill out all this stuff, give it back to her. And she's like giving me this speech about their policies and blah, 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 blah. And I'm kind of glazed. And she's like, okay, well, we'll be contacting you to let you know how much these will be in store credit momentarily. And I'm like, okay, well, do I just wait around the store? Like, how long do you think that's going to take? I mean, I would feel like it's already been longer than it should have taken. Right. Like, it's one pair of shoes. And she's like, oh, it will probably be like three to four hours. And I was like, huh? 
to look at my shoes and like punch in some store credit like for real skis so anyway off she goes and i'm like well i got three or four hours to kill let me go on my other errands so i'm bopping about you know run to the grocery store run to some other places like go do this stuff now here's a funny story because on my way back to the the thrift store i am like let me pop in there's a dsw right there on the way and i'm like let me pop into dsw because maybe because i had to fill out such a substantial amount of information maybe i am gonna get like 70 dollars back because right right because these were expensive shoes and if they gave me 50 percent of what they're valued and they sell them for 80 percent of what i bought them for like they're still coming out ahead so I'm like running all the calculations in my head and I'm like, I'm like walking excited. away. You're thinking yeah. you're getting something. Because it was such a hassle to like get them there in the first place. So I go into DSW and I'm like, hmm, if I have 50 or 70 bucks in my pocket, what can I put that towards today? So I like pick out a pair of boots. I'm like looking at a pair of sandals over here, found a little pair of wedges. And I'm like, you know, okay, okay. Well, while I'm milling about DSW, I get a call from close. So she calls me up and she's like, okay, so we've looked at your shoes and we're prepared to give you 310. And I'm like, 310, 310, 310. I'm like, that's three times. I'm like, that's not what I'm like doing. I'm like doing the math. And I'm like, wait, three, 310. When you say 310, $3.10. Shut up. Shut up. $3? Three? Three dollars and ten cents for my 165 pair of shoes that I have worn one time. No way. Three dollars. That's, and that's insane. the store credit. That's the store credit. If I wanted to like take that out as cash, it would have been like 45 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that. And here's why. We have a place that's similar to that here locally that is only children's clothes. Like it's only for like baby and toddler and small child clothes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Well, when Jonah was very young, I had a ton of clothes. And you know, when they're really young, they're growing so fast. And many of those I passed on to you. And I have a cousin who received many of them. I'm going to be completely honest. My child pretty much wore pajamas for at least the first two to three years of his life. Like that's just kind of who we were as people. Mm -hmm. Well, and he wasn't Um, in daycare. So, I mean, he was like home bopping around with Jer. So yeah, he had like those like really cute, like baby baby onesie outfits that were, you know, but I had a bunch of clothing that other people that people had given me and like name brand. And I knew that was the thing with the place. They really wanted the name brand stuff. Well, it had like never been worn pristine. Some of it still had tags on it. Oh, wow. So my mom and I are out like running errands and I was like, hey, let's stop by here. I have this box. And it was probably like, I don't know, 20 or 30 items, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the baby clothes are small. So it it was a box, but it wasn't a huge amount of things. And they're like, oh, yeah, same as you. Like, well, you can come back by in about an hour and we will let you know where you're at. 
And I also had to fill out paperwork, although I don't think it was as extensive as yours. Oh, my gosh. No, this thing was like stapled, multiple documents. All right. So mom and I are kind of like glancing through the rocks of what they have. And this is an immaculately organized store. You I know? love it. We're yes. like... We're like, okay, well, you know, what are we going to need next? Because he was very yeah, young yeah. then. And I'm like, maybe like we can trade all this for like a winter coat or right, whatever. Right, right, right. I don't even remember. But we looked at several things and then we went on our way and ran some other errands and whatever. And so we come back at around the time that they said and we go up to the counter because they had given us like a ticket thing. And like, yeah, mm -hmm. we have a ticket. So she brings this box, like their box, not my box, because they are... Are a very organized operation. Oh, yeah. They have the totes with the, the stickers. Yeah. She has one very large stack and then there's a stack next to it of like six of the items that I brought in and then there's like 20 over here, you know? Wow. She's like, and I'm like, oh, they must not want those six. That's what's going through my brain. She goes, we'll take these six items. Oh, my goodness. But not these. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like... <laughs> But I don't want them anymore. Like, can you just take all of them? And I go, well, okay. So, like, we're already here. We've already done this. How much will you give me? Um, $7.49. No. No. Something ridiculous. Oh, it, I, my I was gosh. ridiculous. <laughs> I was like... And I look at my mom, and my mom's, like, laughing. She's like, this is insane. Like, you don't want these clothes anymore. Here, take them. And they're going to only take, like, a quarter of what you brought oh, in. Wow. And they're paying wow. you nothing. Oh, my god. So, gosh. needless to say... I took the $7 in cash rather than store credit, and I took the rest of my stuff, and I have never been back there. Oh, my gosh. I would have taken that $7 and gone to, like, Chick-fil-A or something and been like, well, Please. we got a free lunch from this errand. So <laughs> uh, I guess that's just the way the world goes around. What you, what you drinking over there, Mel? Oh, I had a glass of wine. It's actually a Merlot. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. New Wine Club, they don't let you choose what you get, but it's delicious. My favorite is a Pinot Noir. And I my favorite this. is actually like a very light Pinot Noir. Mm -hmm. There's not that many of those around or the really good ones are really expensive. See, I I just don't know my wines. Yeah. That well, well. I, I'm I probably don't really either. So what's our medical mystery? Well, actually, you mentioned it. We yeah. are going to talk about plantar fasciitis. Yes. Okay, good. Because this has been my struggle. Yours and many others. And I'll, I'll admit I did not do the research on statistics, but just in my own personal circle, I have known many people who struggle with the plantar fasciitis. Mm -hmm. So do you even know what it is technically? Do you know what's going on or you just know it hurts? I know that it hurts. I know I've been told that I have it by an ortho 
orthopedist. I always want to say an orthopedist because of the way it's Because that's what it looks like. (laughs) Right? An orthopedist. But I think it has something to do with that tendon in the arch of your foot, like shrinking or, or something where it's very, very painful to basically walk. And apparently I caused it because I was standing around all of those years in retail on concrete floors in my cardboard flip-flops. So yes, very possibly so. So by definition, plantar fasciitis is the inflammation of the plantar fascia. So that's the tissue in the foot that is used during walking and any kind of foot movement. So that's pretty important. It can be caused by a number of different factors, including types of shoes. Sounds like you fall into that category. That's why I have to buy the expensive ones because those cheap ones hurt my feet so bad. Or some different folks have some foot structure issues um, or overuse or the types of surfaces that you're walking on. So you actually struck off two of those on the list. Mm -hmm. Um, The main symptom of plantar fasciitis is heel pain. So I didn't know that. I thought it was more midfoot pain, but it says it most often is near the heel. It's like you can feel it from like your arch all the way to your heel. When you're walking primarily, it is your heel that is in pain. And, okay. and it's it's when you stretch your foot and I can go into some crazy foot stretching stories your whole arch just feels like it's on fire. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Did you see anything in there too about like pregnancy and like relaxing? Just curious right off. I didn't. I I did sort of my usual shallow dive. So I I didn't go all the way into that. But um, I hear a lot of women come out of pregnancy with plantar fasciitis because primarily like the relaxing causes your feet to like flatten out and then your arch. Totally makes sense. Or in my case, swell up. But Okay, so plantar fasciitis is one of the most common conditions causing heel pain. It involves inflammation of, like I mentioned, the plantar fascia. Now, by definition, the plantar fascia is a tough, fibrous band of tissue that runs along the entire sole of the foot. So it attaches to the heel bone. And then runs all the way to the base of the toes. It's the whole bottom of your foot. That's crazy. It helps support the arch of the foot and has a very important role in the normal foot mechanics of walking. And obviously thereby running and anything else you do with your feet. Yeah. So tension or stress in the plantar fascia increases when you place weight on the foot, you know, standing, like you said, long shifts and retail. The tension also increases when you push off the ball of your foot. So Mm -hmm. really anything (laughs) that you're doing that involves you being on your feet can, can cause some issues with that. Now, if you're a person that is incredibly active, the overuse can actually cause the fascia to lose some elasticity and then it will become irritated just during normal stuff. 
So that's pretty wild to That's interesting. Yeah, because I wonder if that also, you know, when I really started struggling with plantar fasciitis, I was in college. And at that point in my life, I was running like between 18 and 24 miles a week. Plus, I was working those long shifts in retail. I was not wearing supportive shoes. It was literally I had running shoes on my feet and I was running or I had those cheap ass flip flops that they made us wear. Like the plastic flat, plastic flat ones, just flat. (laughs) just completely flat, like no arch support whatsoever. And like a thong strap, you know, like coming between your toes, which I to this day, like I cannot stand it. But you know, we were supposed to wear those because we were trying to sell them. So and they were super popular at the time. So and oh my gosh, I mean, you think about standing there on those hard floors for eight hours a day. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. I, I too, did a very short stint in retail, and it was long enough for me. So in most cases, the pain associated with plantar fasciitis increases gradually, so it doesn't start all of a sudden. However, in certain folks, that it is very sudden after, like, missing a step or jumping off of something high, like, Sometimes it can start real quickly. It has a nickname called first step pain. Really? Okay. Hmm. And apparently what they're referencing when they say that is when you first step out of bed in the morning. Ah, yes. Oh my gosh, it's spot on. (laughs) Because I've heard too, like when you're in bed and you're not like working that muscle because you're just laying there asleep. I guess it kind of like dries up or stiffens a little bit. So when you very first step out of bed in the morning, it is like, oh my gosh, it's the worst. It's the worst. And that's why they recommend they have these socks. I might be jumping ahead here, but they have these. Okay, I won't won't say anything yet. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, there are other conditions that can cause heel pain. And some of those have to do with like nerve compression or even like stress fractures. If there, some people will occasionally like lose all of the fatty tissue in their heel that I'm assuming stems from some different medical conditions. There is another one which is called called heel spurs. Have you heard, of, heard that? of that? Yeah, I've yeah. heard of that. My dad actually has really bad heel spurs. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, well, and just and super, super flat feet, which I'm pretty sure are related. And yeah. just as a side note, he was drafted into the military back in the day. That does not stop you from being drafted. Anyway, <laughs> it might now, but Vietnam era, it did not in reality, stop people from being drafted. But anyway, what a heel spur is, is so off of that heel bone or the calcaneus, it's called, there will be like an extra, like just little chunk of bone that comes off of it. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just messes everything up and causes pain. Can we just circle back to what did you call it? Calcaneus. Calcaneus. Calcaneus sounds like a Grecian island I want us to vacation to. Well, it's actually just within your heel. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. That's that's very, that's 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 less fun. That's less fun. (laughs) So the good news with plantar fasciitis is that it almost 
never require surgery. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Less than 10% of cases will require surgeries. And that those usually have extenuating circumstances. There are treatment options. They sound annoying. Uh, and we'll we'll get to it here in a minute. Oh, I can't wait. The first recommendation is stretching. Stretching is one of the best treatments for plantar fasciitis. Stretching should be focused on the plantar fascia and the Achilles tendon. A physical therapist can show people how to do this properly, but it's important that you repeat it several times a day on your own. Yep. Yep. Been there, done that. Okay. And here's the thing that I find personally, anything that you're supposed to do several times a day is really hard to keep up with. Maybe that's just me. No, I think it is. I think it is for sure. And I think for me, especially like with plantar fasciitis, it's like if I didn't do those stretches, then I wouldn't be able to do what I needed to do. So, so it, was it becomes like, required. And it's just part of like you're sitting on the couch watching TV and you're stretching your feet or you're standing on a golf ball or you're doing the sock okay. that I'm sure you'll talk about. So it's like you have to kind of do those things or like you can't, you know, it hurts like you're in pain. So right, it's kind of stretching is what relieves it. Yeah. So what I really need to happen is for my face to be in pain so that I will put the very expensive night cream on it every night because (laughs) every night I'm like, meh, maybe tomorrow. See, okay, your skin is so immaculate. You don't even have to fool with the night cream. I'm over here like slathering it on three times a day. Can you imagine what I would look like if I used the night cream? I might be 12. You look I'm kidding. amazing. I don't think so. Not if you really look. There's things. Melanie has zero wrinkles, you guys. Like if you That's put not a true. Side I by just side, have bangs. I just <laughs> That is not true. If you put a side by side, like I am looking like I am 15 years older than Melanie. I have so many wrinkles and not 8 years younger. Anyway, okay, back to the plantar fasciitis. Okay, back to Icing and medication. Yes, yes. You ice the sore spot also several times a day. And they usually recommend non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication. Also ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. Okay, but ain't nobody got time to ice their feet three times a day. I can stretch my feet. Like, I can even stretch my feet just sitting here while I'm talking to you. But I'm not going to go run to the ice machine and put Mm -hmm. some ice in a bath. I'm not going to be doing that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I agree. It's not happening. It's supposed to help. Rest, activity modification, and orthotics. Obviously, it feels better if you keep weight off of your feet. So there's that. They want you to exercise if you're if you're you know you are exercising. Do that on a more shock absorbing surface. Mm-hmm. So like matted floors at the gym or whatever the case may be. Switching shoes with an arch support. There you are. This has been my life, and I just need to stand in my supportive shoes on my soapbox for a minute because I was that person who always just bought, like, cheap fashion-forward shoes because you know, I could go and get them easily and they were just cheap and I could match them to a ton of different outfits. And now it's like I have, 
I probably have like 10 to 12 pairs of shoes total in my closet period. And they are all shoes that I feel comfortable in that have a supportive heel that have the arch support that I need because my feet are so terrible. And it got even worse, like a little bit after I had Fisher. So it's just one of those things like I would rather own one pair of super supportive shoes that I know I can stand in, I know I can walk in, than, you know, 10 pairs of shoes that are just cute and hurt my feet. That's where I'm at in my life. Well, and you honestly, I I don't believe that I have yet had plantar fasciitis, but I do work in an office where oftentimes I'm on my feet a lot. Mm -hmm, So you mm -hmm. have to be dressed nicely and you have to be on your feet a lot. So Mm -hmm. you actually got me on that whole kick with the, um, we don't want to say brand, but it starts with a V and it ends with an Ionic. I love them. Love you, Vionic. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And I have also many pairs of those shoes. Thank you. Poshmark will also take your sponsorship. But anyway, um, (laughs) so the arch support does really make you feel better at the end of the day. This also mentions applying athletic tape to your foot to support the muscles and ligaments. So I'm guessing I didn't write it down in my notes, but I think that they make socks that are sort of like that. Like if you taped... Yes, I can tell you all about the sock. The sock is the craziest contraption that you've ever seen in your life because it's a sock. And at the top of the sock, the sock comes all the way up to your knee. And at the top of the sock in front of your knee, there's like a ring. And there's this Velcro strap that comes up from your toes through the ring just under your knee. And then you can vary the degree of stretching with that Velcro strap. And it's pulling your toes up toward your knee. Yes, 100%. And they are the craziest looking thing, but they work wonders. I (laughs) I love these socks because they stretch, they stretch your foot. And that's the number one thing that helps. Okay, listeners, you can't see my (laughs) face right now, but I am really, really out on that one. Um, I here's another very large difference between Miranda and I, but I, the literally the idea of falling asleep with socks on makes me feel ill. I can't do it. I, I I definitely don't think that I could sleep in torture device socks. To each their own. And I love sleeping in socks. Me and Melanie have this Wool conversation socks all the too. time. It's disgusting. I, I love for my feet to feel warm and cozy. So, but I. This is funny, though, because I don't like to sleep in the socks that I've been wearing around the house or like wearing on my feet all day. So I have a special pair of socks that become my sleep socks. Pajama socks. socks. (laughs) Pajama socks. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, my goodness. But those socks are just for my bed. And they're wool, y'all. They're wool. (laughs) Like, first of all, don't ever put a wool anything directly on my skin, even if it's a sock. I don't care if it's Angora bunny wool. It doesn't matter. That stuff is itchy. And if you put a sock on me and put me in bed, I will have the stuffiest nose you have ever seen. Because for some reason, there's a direct correlation between my feet and my stuffy nose. And my child is exactly the same. If he sleeps with socks on, 
stuffy nose. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, you guys have like a meridian pathway. Like those <laughs> toxins are like eliminated out of the bottoms of your feet overnight. It's weird. Like, that's crazy. I think it's a heat factor, but I think um, it's a medical mystery. It could be. Well, we'll get but into yes, that later. Maybe the, <laughs> the torture socks work. The torture socks work. As do Vionics. As do Dance Co's. Dance Co's are also amazing. Well, I believe that there are a couple other recommendations here that I should probably mention. It says that if you're having like a really bad flare of this you should try to decrease the distance or duration of your walk of your walking i don't know how i feel about that like yeah i mean you, a girl's gotta do what a girl's gotta do okay sometimes we have to walk that far because we are chasing our kids i know exactly it says um switch from running to like swimming or cycling as your exercise yeah and that like makes low sense. impact yeah like instead of running outside on the pavement like i prefer running on either like on nature surfaces <laughs> like right. unpaved surfaces or the elliptical like it's really hard for me to run on any kind of flat hard surface anymore so there are a couple different therapies but there's one thing that i wanted to mention and this showed up in all of the articles that i looked at it says rolling your foot on some articles said a can, like a like a can of mm -hmm. corn or a can of peas, yep. rolling your foot on a can. And then some suggested rolling your foot on a frozen water bottle. So then you have the cold and also the stretching. Yep, yep. I've um, done it. And if you want something that's more precise, like to a certain spot on your foot, golf balls are the way ooh. to go. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. There are also some other therapies available. Um, some places are doing a shockwave therapy where they they do like shockwaves to the plantar fascia, which promotes healing, they're saying. I mean, that sounds fun. I mean, I'll try it. I'll try it. Sign me up. <laughs> uh, the other one is steroid injections, which I know somebody that had this done, and apparently that is an incredibly uncomfortable procedure because they're sticking needles in your heel. Oh, that's so I don't think terrible. you should do that, Miranda. You would <laughs> no, pass I'll, out. I'll pass on that. Yeah, I'll literally pass out on that. <laughs> so the main points that I wanted to make are know that plantar fasciitis is a very common thing. Many people struggle with it. Pay very close attention to the shoes that you're wearing, mm -hmm. especially if you're doing the like cheapy flip-flops or like cheapy dress shoes for work. If you work in office, job most shoes unless you pay for the bionics or the dance codes have almost no arch support in them mm -hmm. and honestly they make inserts and whatnot that you can put in your shoes but most dress shoes at least for us ladies you can't wear those inserts in office wear. Oh, no. And that's one of the reasons why I really love Vionic, because they have some dressier options that are still supportive. Like, yes, who would have thought that they could make a high heel or a wedge with like an incredible arch support? They did it. And I they am did it for it. All right. So y'all take care of your feet.
All right, Miranda. So what is our parenting topic for this episode? Well, now I'm kind of scratching my head thinking I should have made tonight's parenting topic about running around after your child in supportive shoes because I feel like that's what I do all day. <laughs> but I I wanted to revisit something I talked about a few episodes back, and that is empathic problem solving. Oh, problem solving. We can all use tips on that. Yeah. So we got some good engagement from our listeners about this topic. And I felt like tonight I could go a little bit deeper. Uh, so all of this is again from your favorite person, Dr. Ross Green. Dr. <laughs> Ross Green. Yay. Yes. And, and his book, Raising Human Beings. So last time I talked about how you can help your child solve a problem pretty productively with empathy and really trying to take the time to understand where your child is coming from and how modeling these empathic problem-solving behaviors actually helps them to reproduce those behaviors later on in their own lives, right? Nice. We all need to be able to do that. We really do. And in that episode, we kind of talked about like the anecdote of trying to get your kid to clean their room and like the different ways you could kind of go about that. And I think that was episode nine uh, for our listeners. If you missed that episode and want to circle back and, and go a little bit more with this. But so I thought tonight we could kind of talk about some things that go wrong with this very often. And um, I really just want to kind of give us as moms, especially some encouragement to keep trying at this. You know, we're all works in progress. Parenting is so hard. It is effing hard. <laughs> and it's like you want to be the very best parent that you can be for your kid. But then there's all of this compounding stuff going on and you're so damn tired. And it's just really hard to continuously show up for them in the way that you want. So I think really it all begins with like building small, tiny, healthy habits and just trying to practice those over and over again. So it's like we're trying to help our child with a problem. And for us as parents, I think, especially when we're like at our wits end, it is so tempting to just tell them what to do or give them the solution, you know? Definitely. <laughs> it's like, it's like we're frustrated. We're short on time. We are just trying to like maintain our sanity and not pull our hair out. But empathic problem solving is really about listening to your child. It's about sharing your concerns and then brainstorming a solution together. And that together piece is like so important because that, again, is the skill development that they're going to carry with them as they grow on up, you know, and they're working on their identity. They're working on their commitment to that identity. They're exploring all of these things. They're figuring out who they are. And this is like one of the best ways that we can model conflict resolution, communication skills, teamwork, collaboration, listening for them. And I don't think that I can shut off the vocational counselor portion of my brain. And I feel like that part of me has to say right now, mm -hmm. these are critically important skills for 
all human beings Mm -hmm. and having worked in a professional capacity for over 15 years where my entire goal is to help people be successful in employment, if they are unable to look at situations critically and solve problems and deal with conflict, they are not going to be able to become gainfully employed. And that crosses all. It doesn't matter if they have an IEP. It doesn't matter if they have a 504. They still need to have the ability to solve problems and work with others. There's no get out of jail free card for those two things. It doesn't matter what's going on. So I feel very like I come from a very weird place (laughs) uh, compared to most people. When I say these are astronomically important skills Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we need to even when we're completely exhausted and don't feel like we have it in us to help our child solve a problem on their own, we need to do that for their own well-being and for the well-being of society in the future. Yes. Sorry, I apologize for that rant. That Ooh. was that was an incredible rant. I am so thankful for it because yes, like and I feel like we need that daily motivation and encouragement as parents because it's so easy to just let your frustration get the better of you and just tell your kid what to do, just have them, you know, follow your directions blindly or, you know, putting them in timeout. You're just like, "Will you listen to me?" instead of actually trying to meet them where they're at and help them get to where they need to be. Not where necessarily you want them to be, but where they need to be. So perfect example of this. I want to tell you a story. And this, I think, paints this picture so beautifully. So it was early in the morning. We're trying to get Fisher ready for school. As I've mentioned before on the podcast, Brad is usually the one that handles getting Fisher ready for school in the morning. And I'm usually like downstairs drinking my coffee, trying to come to life and putting my makeup on. And I hear like, like all of this commotion upstairs and I hear Brad getting really, really frustrated. Fisher isn't following following his directions. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on? Like, it's too early for this nonsense. So I go like plodding up the stairs and Fisher is in his karate gi. He's like in his karate oh. gi. Oh, no. Yeah. Can't- and, and I'm just looking at Brad, I'm looking at Fisher and I'm, you know, like I'm just, it's immediate frustration is like my knee jerk reaction to this, which well, because it's very early, it's very early. I haven't had, you know, any caffeine to hit my system yet. And it's one of those things where I feel like we get into the habit of allowing ourselves to just instinctively respond with frustration right off the bat, Mm -hmm. instead of being mindful and maybe approaching the situation from a more open-mindedness, you know, standpoint. So anyway, I'm like, what's going on? What's the problem here? And Fisher says, you know, I want to wear my my karate gi to school today. And Brad's like, I told him he can't wear it. It's not allowed at school and that he has to put his clothes on. And Fisher is just like belligerent at this point. You know, he is not even hearing the instructions. He's so upset. And so I, I pull him onto my lap. Like, Buddy, why do you want to wear your gi so bad? 
Now, notice I didn't say, you have to listen to what your dad said. Your dad already told you that you've got to put your clothes on, take your gi off right now and get dressed. I didn't raise my voice. I pulled him into my lap. I said, buddy, what's going on? Why do you want to wear your gi so bad? Definitely not my instinctive reaction to do that. Right. (laughs) But I tried to approach the situation from a more mindful perspective. And Fisher kind of calms down because he's crying. He's upset. He calms down. And eventually, you know, we're having this kind of back and forth dialogue. And eventually he tells me he wants to wear his gi because one of his classmates doesn't really believe that he's in karate. Oh, wow. Okay. Because he just started taking his lessons and his classmate, like, I guess, you know, Fisher said, well, I take karate. And his classmate was like, you know, no, you don't like didn't believe him or something. Well, Fisher feels like he has to prove that he does. Wow, that's big. We're dealing with a whole different issue now, right? right? We never would have gotten to that issue if we didn't try to listen and invite him into this process. And so what I find out and what I kind of reflect back to him using my micro counseling skills is, you know, it's really important for you to let your friends know that you are in karate, isn't it, buddy? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just validating. I'm affirming where he's at. I'm letting him know that it's okay for him to feel this way. And Fisher, he has some limitations. He has some some issues. And so when he has an opportunity to like prove himself to his peers, that's really critical for him. It's really important. And that makes sense. Right. And so when he told me this, I felt it like wash over me and now it's like I have the solution. And so I said, well, here's here's where I'm coming from. We can't wear our gi to school because our gi is very special. And it's only for us to wear when we're at karate and we're practicing karate in the dojo. It's such a special outfit. It's such a special piece of clothing. And we're really not supposed to wear it to school. I said, but I realize how important it is for you, for your friends to know that you are in karate. So what if we go to the drugstore after school and we print off some pictures of you doing karate? And I said, then it's not even you just showing up in your outfit, but I've got pictures on my phone of you kicking, of you punching, of you, you know, standing in horse stance. And we can print those pictures off and you can put them in your backpack and you can take them to school and show all of your friends. And at that moment, boom, the problem was solved. And Fisher, all of a sudden, it was like he instantly stood up. He took off his belt. He took off his shirt. He And he got dressed for school. It was amazing. He was like so cooperative because we got to the root cause and we solved the problem. I think that that's incredible. That's a really good example. Kudos to you for taking the time to do that because I know how mornings are. And, and that's the like, thing. Yeah, it's it literally just boils down to taking the time. But like right. if these are the things that help our kids, like you said, learn the skills that they need to be, you know, effective problem solvers later on, these are the skills we have to teach them and we have to take the time. And like if I had just given him orders, forced him into his school clothes, shoved him in the car and driven off to school, we never 
never would have gotten to that root problem. Well, I was just going to say, and I have to offer you a big thank you from the world of all vocational counselors. Thank you for not letting (laughs) him wear his gi to school. Right. Because at different points in my career, I have had a caseload full of grown (laughs) men whose parents let them wear their gi to school because they would rather do that than fight that battle. And you cannot put those folks in an employment setting. They can't do it. Exactly. And it's one of those things where like, Again, it's a win-win, but it takes the time to get there. And I'm not saying like, let your boundaries go as a parent. I'm not saying that at all. This gives you a beautiful way to enforce the boundaries that you're setting as a parent by understanding where your child is coming from and finding a solution that fits within the boundaries that you've established. So again, it just takes time and it just takes that attention. And sometimes I can do it like that morning was like awesome. And I felt like it was such a win, but I am telling you (laughs) that is not the norm. And it is so hard to kind of stay on track and keep this at top of mind so we can really show up and be there for our kids. So I want to kind of highlight here like three of the main pitfalls that we face as parents when it comes to approaching these problems and solving them empathically. And I feel like we kind of have our instinct or our reaction here. So part of this is a reflection exercise to just think about what is your tendency and how can we make space for maybe a better way of dealing with the problem. So the first pitfall is just defaulting to that because I said so, I'm the adult, you're the kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, it happens. Like we're frustrated. We don't have time. We don't have energy. And it just comes down to because I said so, you know, get it done. And we heard that as kids. It was never helpful for us as kids when our parents did that. But and sometimes we do it. And it's like, it's not the end of the world. But you know, if that's your instinct, just be aware that that may be an unhealthy reaction for you. Another one that's really interesting is making the assumption that you know, your child's perspective already. So you skip the listening step. It's like you assume you know how they're feeling or you know what they're thinking. And honestly, I kind of fall into this category a lot. And even with Fisher wearing his gi, like my assumption was that he just like wanted to wear his gi to school because it was comfortable and, and he didn't want to right, like right. I mean, they do look whatever. pretty comfortable. Right. Like, I mean, who knows? But the last thing I would have thought was that he was trying to prove to his friends, you know, and that it was done with purpose and intent that he wanted to wear this to school that day. So be aware of like making assumptions about how your child feels or what your child is thinking. And the last one here is entering into problem solving with a preordained solution that you've already cooked up and hatched up as the plan. And you're just going to try to put the, the round peg of your child into the square hole that you've got for them. That's not really doing it the right way. No, for sure not. So 
I just kind of want to connect this. We talked a while back about helping your child build their self-efficacy or like their I can do it attitude. And anytime we step into a problem or a challenge with any of these pitfalls that I just mentioned, we're essentially robbing them of the opportunity to learn and grow and further develop their own problem solving skills and sometimes even their self-confidence. So as parents, it's like we need to make sure we're checking in with ourselves. We need to make sure we're in a good place so that we can show up for our kids as our best selves. You know what I mean? And that's hard. That is very hard. Because mama's tired. Mama is so tired over here. But it's like sometimes our biggest responsibility as parents is not helping our children grow up. It's making sure that we grow up and that we grow into the parents that they need us to be. Good point. Hard, but good point. Yeah. So I guess the, the takeaway there is, you know, maybe think about what's your instinct, what's your reaction, and maybe challenge yourself to next time your kid puts you in one of these frustrating situations where there's like a problem, take some time to really hear them out and just be open-minded enough to consider a collaborative solution rather than what you knee-jerk reaction want them to do. Nice. I like it. Melanie, what is our spotlight for tonight's episode? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is actually called Shoes and Clothes for Kids. So okay. the website is actually www.sc4k.org. And let me tell you a little bit about them. Shoes and Clothes for Kids' mission is to improve the K-8 through school attendance by eliminating the lack of appropriate clothing, shoes, and school supplies as barriers. Their programs provide clothing, shoes, and school supplies to local kids in poverty, which, by the way, they're in Cleveland, Cleveland area. Shout out to my Ohio peeps. Um, And in turn, by providing those things to the kids, they improve school attendance rates and increase the child's feelings of self-worth. This particular charity, like I said, is based in Cleveland, but they have existed for over 50 years and have made a huge difference for many kids. Now, when I was researching different charities for this part, there are other charities all over the country. So if you're not in Cleveland or you don't feel like helping Cleveland, there are charities closer to your local area. Just check those out. But over the past couple episodes, Miranda has mentioned several different things that lead to, like we talked about it in the summer slide, Kids that don't have the means that other kids do are more likely to slide and not have the supplies they need. So this is one of those charities that is trying to help with that. Check them out. Donate if you can. 
I love that. So basically, if there's an opportunity where you can take your clothing to an organization like this, rather than one of these places that Melanie and I have gone to. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, you're not only like helping a kid get clothes, you're helping that child to maybe have a better attendance record in school. You're helping them to maybe have higher feelings of self-worth and self-confidence and all of these awesome things we've talked about. So that's a really good one, Mel. I like it. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at mothermayhempodcast at gmail.com.